Nick Turzo, and you are listening to The Radical. With this lucky 7-7 episode, I end the second season of The Radical. But I get to welcome aboard a wonderful human, artist, and friend. It's the first time on this podcast I've invited a guest back for a second appearance. Just recently, he had two shows running in New York. The Visitor at the Public Theater, which just closed last month, and currently at Lincoln Center, Flying Over Sunset. Pulitzer, Tony, and Emmy-winning composer Tom Kitt joins me to discuss his recent album release, Reflect, with its many collaborations, the necessity of empathy and compassion as an artist, and will the future of live theater ever return to normal? Coming up, my conversation with Tom Kitt. Hello, Tom. Hello, Nick. Welcome back. You are the only person to have ever been a guest twice in my in my <laughs> seventy seven episodes. So that is quite an honor. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, you're on a lucky seven seven episode. That's that's going to bring good luck to everything you do. <laughs> I will take that. <laughs> so since we spoke, it's been a year. Um, the world feels different and the same um, at the same time. Um, you managed to actually record and release a new record, though, called Reflect. Yes. And uh, let's talk about that a little bit. So what did it take to put together that record? You have a lot of collaborations, which we can go through. Um, just talk a little bit about that process for you. Well, first there was the emotional process of just finding the strength to create something because early on in the pandemic, I didn't want to do anything. I was really depressed and, and, and scared and um, that kind of inspiring space that you work in, whatever kind of uh, material you're creating, you have to operate in a place of possibility and excitement. And I just didn't feel any of that. And, uh, and I had a conversation with my wife, Rita, who said to me, this is really a time for artists. You have to find, um, you have to find strength to, to speak in this moment. Uh, and I also, uh, on one of the few walks I did take early on, came across uh, someone who is actually now, because I've spoken about this, reached out to me and I'm, I'm actually communicating with this person. It's great that I get to actually say thank you to them. Um, but uh, he recognized me in the park. And just said, Tom, I'm a fan and uh, your, your work means a great deal and keep going. And I just felt like, well, here's somebody who has um, been affected by work I've made. And I just I can't uh, can't disappear right now. This is a moment I should be making something. So I felt like I wanted to do a song cycle, but it, it needed to be much greater than what I was going through. There are so many people going through so many different challenges in this moment of the pandemic. Um, and there are so many things that the pandemic is bringing on in, in people's experiences that need to be to be touched on. So I, I went out to a number of friends and just basically made a pitch to say, um, is there anything that you feel you want to express in a song? And if so, I'd love to write a song with you. Send me in, in verse, in poem, in essay, in monologue, just some writing about what you're feeling. And I took that and created a song for that uh, great artist to then sing on this album that became Reflect. And some of those essays were my own. I have a couple of songs on that album, but that was basically um, how the album came to be. 
So it is a large collaboration. I always think of it as, oh, Tom made his solo record. You know what I mean? But <laughs> you saw it as a much more community and collaborative effort, um, this record. Um, well, I actually have, a, a, just for the pandemic, I signed a deal with Sony Masterworks, which, as you know, from, from my days where we first met um, when I was interning at, at uh, Columbia Records, this was a dream of mine to, to be a, a label artist. Um, and that album that I, the deal that I signed was to, was to create the Tom kit album. This kind of leaped over it. Um, mm. and I, I'm so grateful to Sony Masterworks, specifically Scott Farthing, who is a, a great friend and who I work with over at Sony. Um, the moment I pitched this to him, he said, yes, we're going to make this album. And they did it before vaccines. We got into the studio in person, singers, orchestra, rhythm section, um, in January of 2021, January, February, March to make this album. So uh, I, I can't say enough about not only being signed to this deal, but but really supported to, to, to make a vision that I had come true. That's awesome. Talk about some of your collaborators. I mean, as far as performance wise here, because some I know, some I don't. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm taking the lazy host position that you're going to tell <laughs> me about some of the others. <laughs> sure. Um, well, uh, a couple are, are, are great friends from uh, Jagged Little Pill, uh, Lauren Patton and Elizabeth Stanley. Um, and uh, Lauren sent a beautiful essay just about the, the the feelings of isolation, living in a city that's normally you're on top of one another and what it feels like when that all goes away and, and, and how you make sense of that. Elizabeth sent this incredible five-page um, poem that was kind of formatted in a certain way that that, that brought about the music that I wrote, just a very sort of, um, uh, in a kind of musical trance and hypnotic tonality. Um, also just kind of a mood pop song that I've always wanted to write. Um, and then there's uh, my friend, Adrian Warren, brilliant in Tina. Um, we met when we both collaborated on Bring It On. Um, Adrian told me this, this, this heartbreaking story of how her parents were both sick early on. The, her grandparents were, were, were sick early on in the pandemic and were separated in the hospital. And she wanted to, to, to create a song about all of the families that were suffering, not able to be with their loved ones. Um, because obviously in those early days, um, you, we didn't know, and everyone had to be, be separated, even if it meant you were sick and, 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 and in the hospital, um, my, my, my brilliant friend, Michael McElroy, founder of the Broadway Inspirational Voices, brilliant Tony-nominated um, actor. Um, and, uh, and, and, and he wrote a, we wrote a beautiful song together um, called um, uh, uh, My Curtain Call. Um, there's um, uh, Danny Burstein and Rebecca Luger, who um, uh, we sadly lost Rebecca to ALS in December of 2020. Uh, and I reached out to Danny and and, and Rebecca uh, in the spring of 2020 to write a song about what um, they were experiencing. Um, also, Danny had been sick with severe COVID and wrote uh, a, a very moving piece in The Hollywood Reporter. Um, and The Hollywood Reporter is actually debuting a music video that we created for She Has Hope, a tribute to Danny and Rebecca and all of the people struggling with this disease. Um, so that just dropped today, I'm, I'm proud to say. Um, just to rifle through quickly, there's Jen Colella, um, brilliant and come from away. Um, there's Jerry Dixon, uh, my very good friend, uh, who started the original production of Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, and uh, there's Pearl Sun, who I worked with on If Then. And um, 
I'm, I'm, there's, there's, there's others I know that I'm missing, but anyway, you can tell it's a, it's a, it's an incredible group of artists. Fantastic. So I love them. And my kids, my kids singing on, on it too. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> As it should be. So, um, well, I listened to, you know, a couple of the songs you did on your own where you were the performer. So this too shall pass. And then, uh, Fly away, Fly away, which I love, which I think, I mean, that's an older song for you though, isn't it? Yeah. That's a song that I wrote in the late nineties. Um, I actually demoed with the band, with, with the band back in 2001. And, uh, I was just listening to it one day and I just felt like, God, these lyrics really speak to me right now. I really do. And there were a couple little adjustments I made, but I always wanted to record that song and, uh, it felt like it was on point with the rest of the record. It's fantastic. So I keep going back to it and back to it. So, um, oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, that's why you have to do your, you know, your own project next. I'm telling you, it's it's time. Well, I owe this. I have this other record that I'm I'm happy to say I'm I'm contractually uh, <laughs> have to do. So um, let's get to I'm, it. I'm very excited to talk to that. Yep, <laughs> yep, I will absolutely. Um, and you know, look, and and uh, your normal day job, let's say, of you know, composer, a Broadway composer. Um, you know, you kind of stick to the music primarily, right? You have a partner, Brian, who does a lot of the lyric stuff. Like when you're doing this, I mean, how much, how, how do you get your head around lyrics then when you're kind of doing your own project? I mean, do you write daily in that way or is it all mostly music? Like, how do you, uh, how, how do those two mesh for you? Usually if it's music and lyrics, they, they will come together to some degree, because if I, if I have a song idea, or even if it's like Reflect, where I was taking the words of these billion artists and, and, and creating songs with them, um, the, the lyrics just start to bring about music. And, um, and if it's something that I'm writing from scratch, um, I'll usually get some kind of hook, some kind of statement that goes with the first, uh, the first chords, first melody that I start to, to create. And then it's just a question of, okay, now I've started down this road. Where do I continue with? Do I start to create the lyric more or do I want to just sit with the music? But it really does happen uh, at the same time to some degree, which, which is, which is wonderful because you feel like you're both of these things are starting to have life at the same time. Right. And when, um, so hang on, I'm going to just jump all over the place here. So that's okay. So you have a new show that just opened at the public in New York called the visitor. Um, an adaption of the film, the independent film that was done earlier. Um, so in that case, like Brian York, you your partner in this. And um, was it Kwame Kwai Armal? Is that how you pronounce his name? Kwame Kwai Armal. So, so they're doing the book kind of in the lyric. I mean, how does that process work then? I mean, are you creating music simultaneously that they're doing kind of the book? I mean, how does that work in that process? Um, the, the process with that was, um, I remember the first songs of the visitor, many of which made it to this final version. Um, we wrote fast and furiously. We were just so excited to get it up to a reading, wanted to see what it felt like. And Brian would send me lyrics. And I just remember I was writing a song at night, sometimes two or three, um, because I just felt so inspired and, and Brian had a fully formed lyric and I sat with it and, uh, and created the music. And then um, when you put that first reading up, you have way too many songs and way too much book and you start to hone it down. Um, but, but really for any musical, it's like, what is that first burst of energy? Do you feel like you've got a show? 
from that first batch of songs that you write. Um, and, uh, and it certainly felt that way with the visitor. And I, I remember very clearly that first reading where we all felt like we were telling this, this, this beautiful story in the way that we want to. Right. And can we break it down? Cause a lot of times I get in trouble because I feel people think I'm playing insider ball. So can you break down like the difference, like between the book and kind of what the lyrics and the music are? Sure. And I, I will say first that the book, I think, is the unsung hero of any musical. It really is the lifeblood and um, I, really a show's fortunes rest on the book and, and, and the story. Um, so the book just basically means um, when you sit down, what, are, what, is, what is going to be the, the arc, the, the A to B of your story? And then how do we find moments of song in it? How do, how do the scenes build to song? Um, drop you into song, contextualize. Um, so the, it can all be done at the same time, but as you start to hear it, you will start to have questions about, do we need the song or um, is it meshing with the book in the right way? Do we feel like we've earned it? Um, is there more to say? Is there more, or the book and the song saying the same thing? So we have to streamline, um, but it's quite a, a process to really get everything working on the same level and feeling like it's cohesive and really one is picking up where the other leaves off. Okay. That's a good explanation. I'll accept that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so let's talk about The Visitor a little bit. Um, yeah. Tom McCarthy wrote and directed the film version of mm -hmm. this, uh, who went on to win an Oscar, I guess, for Spotlight, right, or something. Was the spotlight? Correct. And he did the station yeah. agent, right? Um, and Richard Jenkins, who played, uh, who was the lead in The Visitor, was nominated for an Oscar for that. He was actually nominated. So how does, I'm just curious, how do you, this thing exists. It's, it's maybe a few yeah. years later. I don't know when you start a conversation around it. But how do you actually arrange the rights to adapt this? Or how does that idea spark with both parties? Well, I remember very clearly I was in Berkeley. It was the morning of uh, the, the first time when I was, I was working on American Idiot. And it was the first time we were bringing the cast and the band together to hear the orchestration. So it's a very nerve-wracking day for the orchestrator. Um, my family also had just left me. My daughter was maybe four, four months old at that time. So um, I had to say goodbye to her and my my wife and my, younger, my young son, uh, Michael. Um, so I was very emotional and, and, and I decided to rent Rachel getting married, the soloist and the visitor all in the same morning and like cried the whole morning. Um, and there was something about the visitor that just sparked a musical idea. I just felt like this was a story that, um, I really want to tell in the theater. And I think it, it's a challenging and important story to, to musicalize. Um, so, uh, my friend, Aaron Harnick, uh, who is a producer and, and I had worked with, um, I don't know when I mentioned this to him, I did. I, my first call of course was to Brian and Brian said, yes, yes, that's yes, absolutely. Um, and then I don't remember how it came to Aaron, but Aaron is good friends with Tom. And, uh, and so the idea was able to get to him pretty quickly and, uh, and, and happily Tom was excited and, uh, there was, it, it was, it all just went very easily because we all felt like this would be a wonderful thing to collaborate on. And, um, and, and to, to hopefully take the story and be able to expand on it with song. Um, and, um, and it went, went from there. I think, uh, I think the first songs that Brian and I wrote were in 2012. The first reading was in 2014. Um, and that initial viewing of the movie was 2009. Um, so, um, you know, these things take some time, obviously, 
too much time in, in some cases, but um, but it, the process of getting the rights and and realizing that we could do this was really a, a, a beautiful process where everyone wanted the same thing. Great. And can you give us, because I don't remember the film that well. I'm not sure I saw it. Um, give us like a little synopsis of like the story and what has changed in your adaption of it, other than music being... Well, the story is um, uh, from the film. Richard Jenkins plays um, a, a college professor professor in economics who's just lost his wife. Um, his wife was a very successful concert pianist. And it, it, it starts with uh, his character's name is Walter. Um, is trying to learn piano and not really serious about it. He's trying to connect in some way, I think, to music and to his wife. And he's kind of sleepwalking through through life. And he's asked to go down to New York City to deliver um, a, a lecture on a paper that he claims to, his name is on the co-author, but he didn't really co-author it. And, and he doesn't want to go. Um, he still keeps an apartment down in New York. Um, and when he goes, he discovers that um, there's a young couple living there um, who I guess were told that uh, that they could sublet the apartment. Um, and uh it's 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 a young um, uh, percussionist uh, uh, named Tarek and his girlfriend Zainab, um, and um, Walter and the two of them form a a friendship. And and as I mentioned, Walter's uh, interest in music, he takes a great interest in Tarek's uh, djembe, and they start having drum lessons. Um, and then one day coming back from a drum circle in the subway, uh, Tarek is detained and, um, it comes out that both Tarek and Zainab are undocumented, um, and Tarek is put in a detention center and, um, and his mother, Mona, who lives up in Michigan comes to New York, um, uh, because she hasn't heard from him and Walter tells her what has happened and, and, um, then it becomes the um, uh, the harrowing story of trying to get Tarek released, and um, so it's 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 obviously a story based in a, a very real and important issue of immigration. Um, at um, at that point, the movie came out in two thousand seven, so I think it was it was in the shadows of nine eleven, um, and now obviously with everything that's happened since, it's that and more. Oh, there's an immigration issue. I live in Texas. Is that, that there's really something going on with immigration? Eh? <laughs> so, I mean, were you able to, I mean, build on that then? I mean, in the current sense of what it became or did you kind of keep we, it we, to where the film was really? Well, we both, you know, th- that, and that's the thing about when you get to musicalize something, you're, you get to write songs that with lyrical content that, that explores both the story and, and the, the now of, of, of the issue. Um, and of course, any issue like that is going to be met with, with, with many different opinions and, 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 um, it it will resonate in different ways with people. Um, you know, there's a passionate, uh, view, um, of, of, of what's been happening and, and we have our passionate view as writers. So, um, so I think that you both want to, I mean, we definitely were writing the visitor. We were adapting that story, but we kept talking about how, in the years we were writing it, that you can't catch up to the the history of what's happening. You just have to make a statement about, um, you know, a story that you want to tell as an artist. Right. Makes sense. So it's opened to the public. Well, it, it ran, um, 
it, it, its run has completed it. So it, it, closed, it closed December 5th. It was, it was extended a week. Um, and, um, so, you know, now, now it becomes the, um, you know, we, we look hopefully to record the score, um, and, you know, the piece gets into the world and, um, get to see other productions and what people will, will do with it. But, um, you know, it's, it was an extraordinary experience, um, you know, incredible group of artists in the cast. Um, it's quite a, quite a family of, of artists that came together to tell the story and, um, um, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, now on the other end of it, it's, it's very emotional. Right. And I mean, do you take, how long did it run there then? Did you say? Uh, it ran, um, started performances in, in October and it ran through the first week of December. Okay. And I mean, did you get, I mean, doesn't this always happen? I mean, don't you have to get all these critical reviews? I mean, did that all happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just, um, you, that always comes with, with, with any art that you put out. And, uh, you know, for, for me, it's, um, it's, it's just birthing something is, 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 is quite an endeavor. And, sure um, is. you know, it's, it's, it's a game that we all play with ourselves about how you put stuff in the world and there's, there's always going to be opinions about it, but, but I just try to, um, to stay in the, the, the gift of, of creating new work. Yes. That's awesome. Um, and, let me ask you a little, because I don't think the last time I spoke to you, we drilled down too much on this. And I kind of wanted to, I'm just curious, because you guys keep coming back with new projects and back and back. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about your partnership with Brian, because, you know, what makes that work? What makes that last as long as it has? I'm just fascinated by that, you know, because I have too much ego. I think I blow up partnerships. I think I've mastered that. So um, I'm just curious what you guys have, what that bond is, how you do it over time. Can you speak to that a little bit? It really is marriage. Brian and I, um, and, and, and it's, it, it's, it's beautiful that, that I met Brian and my wife, Rita, basically at the same time. I'm, uh, Rita introduced me to Brian and suggested we write together. And, um, we went to a restaurant in New York that doesn't exist anymore. I'm sure you, you remember it, Grange Hall down on Commerce Street. Became other restaurants. Uh, but we went to dinner one night together early on. I think when we first got into the BMI Musical Theater Workshop and we had a celebratory dinner and we all signed a postcard that was basically our commitment to each other and to this dream that we'll get to Broadway one day. Um, and, um, and like a marriage, uh, it needs it, it's going to have its ups and downs. It's going to have... It's moments um, where you 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 um, you know you have to just make sure you're always protecting it. And what's been what's been wonderful is that you know Brian has this uh, very exciting life now uh, over in uh, Los Angeles, creating um, you know beautiful work for television, um, and I'm sure film is part of that. Um, but um, you know, so and and he knows that I have projects like. American Idiot and Jagged Little Pill, um, or um, Flying Over Sunset, where I've been I've been writing, um, you know I've been I've been working with 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 other collaborators, um, and um, you know we 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 support each other hundred percent in in all of the things that we're doing because we know that our lives have demands, but we always know we check in to say like there's the stuff that we create together that we know is special. Um, and, and, and it's stuff that for us, we know only we would do. Um, and, um, 
and 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 that that it's a commitment and and a passion for both of us to make sure we get back to that, even though there are things that that pull us in different directions. So um, after all these years, um, you know, we are there for each other um, in in the most important ways. Um, I can't say enough about how Brian has been there for me during the pandemic, um, and um, uh, you know that will. That will that is lifelong for both of us. So um, there are those friends that you have, right? That that years will go by. You haven't spoken to them, and suddenly the phone will ring, and you'll 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 get on the phone, and then it's like doesn't feel like any time has gone by. And and that's how it always feels with Brian. Even if we've been away from each other for a little bit, we come back, and it feels it feels like like we never left. So um, we have things we're talking about. Um, there's there's a, a project that we're going to start that I'm really excited about. It's a dream of mine to, to have been doing. Um, and, um, and there are many more that we're, we're, we're sort of ruminating on. So, but, but you have to just, it's the commitment and the protection and the grace that you give one another to say, um, you know, uh, there is never any doubt on the importance and beauty of what we do together. Awesome. I didn't know he was in Los Angeles. That was news to me. I thought he was in New yeah, York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's out in Los Angeles. Um, you know, 13 Reasons Why is his, is his show and he has a new thing that's been announced called Echoes that, um, that will be on Netflix as well. Oh, you went Hollywood. Wow. <laughs> Just kidding. That, and that's, and that's also been, um, uh, that's, that, that's also been something that I know has been a, a dream of, of Brian's to be working out in Hollywood. So, um, I'm so, I'm so proud of him. So happy for him. That's awesome. And so when it comes to projects though, I mean, are you guys, um, focused on like being a truffle pig and finding these things on your own? Is that how you do it? Or are you guys constantly now because of your success pitched by people on ideas all the time? Um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's kind of, we are, we are self-generating at the moment. Um, I mean, there are things that, that, that come our way. Um, and, um, like, like the, the Riverdale episode that happened, um, our friend, um, uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa wrote, um, uh, he, he created Riverdale. And so he asked if, if he could use next to normal, um, as, um, a basis for a musical episode. So that was really exciting that, that, that got into the world. Um, and, um, but, you know, with, with, with Brian, um, it's nice that, that the two of us can just dream a little bit and um at this point just say what's the what's the story that we want to tell what's the musical that we that we that we really feel a burning desire to write it in this moment um and um you know and then there's something like freaky friday that did that did um come our way that that we were um uh thankfully asked um to submit ourselves for and and got the job and um i was listening to that in the car the other the other day with my kids and they were singing along and i was just i was like ah so happy that i wrote this musical that it's in the world so proud of it um and uh that, i think i think some of those lyrics are are are, 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 are some of brian's best um they're capturing as i know watching my now almost 13 year old daughter and my wife spar um you know he captured perfectly these dynamics of, 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 a, of a teenager and a mom um, yelling at each other, you don't understand me. And then the only way to truly understand each other is to, is to walk in the other person's shoes and see what that feels like. Fascinating. That's awesome. And did you, um, let me ask you, like if I was a third party person, had an idea or, you know, whatever, I was a big shop producer, like I'm going to go to Tom Kit and, Brian, 
Like, what do you think they're looking for in you guys? I mean, what do they see? What do you guys bring to any project? Um, what? Um, that's a, sorry, finish. No, finish. I, I'm, I'm still thinking. I think I'm done with the question. <laughs> My questions get too long. I got to start shortening them. So, I, What I hope people would, would think that we would bring is this um, emotional content to what we write. Um, we want to write about the human experience. We want people to have a visceral response to a character, to, to a musicalization um, that, that, that it kind of grabs at your heart and, and illuminates something that you are experiencing in your own life. I think people who come to me and tell me what next normal means, it's because it, it, it really brings them some kind of comfort, healing, a, 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 a sense that what they're feeling has validation um, and, and we do it hopefully in an artful way, in a way that feels like it's moving the art form forward in some way. And that's not to say that everyone's going to love it. Um, and, and, um, there will be different opinions about what maybe, um, it's not for me to say what, what people get from my work. It's for me to put it out there, but I kind of feel like if you're, if you're looking at Brian and I as being a voice that you want, it's because things like if then next normal freaky Friday, there's a human element that you, that, that, that uh, artist has found to be palpable and relatable and resonant. And they feel like that voice can help them tell their story in the way that they want to. And then on the orchestration side where it becomes you, I mean, I mean, are you kind of the go-to guy now, whether it was, you know, green day or was it, you know, Alanis Morissette, I mean, in adapting any kind of these kind of rock things into musicals, I mean, do you, does your phone ring all day long saying, hey, it's, uh, you know, I don't know who, name a band, <laughs> Linkin Park, we're going to do a, <laughs> we're going to do a musical. What are you doing? Um, it's, I, I mean, over the years, I've definitely been asked um, about different catalogs. Um, you know, there, there are, there, there, these musicals are, are, um, you know, they're happening in, in really exciting ways. And so I think there's a, there's a number of people now who are bringing their artistry to, um, I don't know what genre I would call it. I would say it's a, it's a musical that's based on, on an artist catalog. Um, so, um, I would hope that my work on American Idiot, Head Over Heels, Jagged Little Pill, um, you know, the, for the people that have been fans of that work can show that, that, what, what, what I've tried to do is not just say we're going to put up, you know, the album exists, the songs exist, but, but, to, but to make something for me that, that that's worthy of adaptation, um, there has to be some kind of new life to it, a new birth to, to these, to this brilliant material, because there's a new story, there's new characters, there's new sensibilities, tonalities. So what's going to make it a score, a musical theater score. So I think the people that will, call me for future projects like that are going to say that, yes, that successfully for me um, made those songs feel, feel new um, uh, for the theater. And, um, and I feel like that's what this musical is going to want. So um, yeah. So, so, so if, if people have felt that I've done that successfully, then that's a, that's a quite a compliment because you know, the, the, the stature and the brilliance of the material that I've been asked to take on. Yeah. I'm just curious because in the current atmosphere where, you know, all these music catalogs are being transacted for huge amounts of money right now. And, you know, now the new owners are going to have to figure out how to get a return on that investment. Um, 
if more of that isn't coming, you know what I mean? Is is those guys try to figure out how to exploit? I hate to use the word uh, the thing they just invested in. You know, it's um, like anything. I think what I've learned is that lightning really does strike unexpectedly, and um, you know, because one thing worked doesn't mean that like there really has to be. A, a, a strong creative element behind something. I mean, yeah, there are things that you can say, okay, this was, this was popular. This is, this is known. So we're just, let's, let's, we, we have a surefire thing. I mean, but, but especially for the theater, it's years and there's just great uncertainty in, in, um, in, 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 you know, how it's going to be viewed in this art form. So, um, I think that uh, I always just try to really investigate uh, how I'm going to add my voice to something and to put those dreams of success and, and, and something being a surefire hit to the side because what all you can control is your process. All you can control is, is how you make something and then you put it out there and then it's totally out of your control. Um, so yeah, I think that, um, if you're really passionate about something and there's a, you know, there, there's one possible one that, that, that I might, I might be working on. Um, and it's music that I've loved my whole life. And it's music that, um, spoke to me in the pandemic. Um, and, um, you know, it's just, it's just going to make me happy if it ends up happening. Okay. We won't curse it. I'm not going to twist your arm <laughs> to tell me who, so can I start guessing? <laughs> no, well, you know, made, apart from the podcast, yes. <laughs> okay. Damn. So, and I mean, do you ever see yourself kind of doing something where it's like a, an original uh, movie, a film, like that's based on a musical, not even based on a current musical, let's just say it's a new idea. I mean, do you ever see writing in that format or that medium? Yes. I would love to do an original movie musical mm. that, that that's a dream of mine. I've had some ideas and one in particular um, that came up during the pandemic that that still is in my brain that I want to, I would love to see, see through at some point. I mean, it's obviously been an uptick in interest in such things. Um, we'd say, yeah. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I caught you in the audience on tick, tick, boom, when I was watching it. Uh. <laughs> oh, that was such a special thing that Lynn did. I mean, I mean, the, 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 the endeavor itself to, you know, Jonathan, obviously, I'm, 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 I will always be sad that I never got to, to know Jonathan, but the Larson foundation resurrected next to normal. They gave us a grant in 2004 to do a workshop at a time that the, that the show was kind of dormant. Mm. Um, so, so, so Jonathan, um, his legacy has had a huge impact on my life. And, um, and then, you know, Lynn to, to not only make this beautiful film, um, but to do it in COVID and to bring us all together safely because this was in, we, we shot that scene in November of 2020. It was right after Thanksgiving. There were no vaccines. So all of these artists were in a theater with face shields and all this protective gear. Um, and then we would go down and we would, we, would, we would shoot our scene and it would be, okay, timer, go. We could take our masks off for a certain amount of time, socially distance. Um, and, and you didn't, you know, we, we ate lunch together in this hall, this 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 great big space. We were all socially distanced. It was silent. Oh, just like having our our box lunches and um and and it was this great comfort that we were all together. The sadness that we couldn't be 
um, you know, emotional with each other in the way we wanted, but like how Lynn brought all, all these artists together, it was beautiful. And I'm really so honored to have been a part of it and so happy to see how, how warmly the movie has been received. Um, it's, it's just a testament to Lynn, to Jonathan, to the brilliant people that made that film. Um, and um, as I said, I'm really honored to be in, in this small, <laughs> small piece of it. Yeah, it's funny. When it came out, my friend Marco said, I said, oh, how was it? And he told me and I said, well, I really want to see it. And he goes, do you know it's a musical? <laughs> Knowing me. <laughs> But it was so brilliant. I mean, it just, yeah. you know, everyone's talking about the Beatles and the creative process around this Beatles, Beatles film, right? And uh, yeah. Tick, Tick, Boom kind of does that same thing in less than two hours. Yeah. It's like, look at this. I mean, look at the pain yeah. and the, the passion and the drive and the ambition and the determination. I mean, it really did it in one two-hour movie. You don't really have to watch the Beatles. No <laughs> offense to Peter Jackson. So... I- Watch the documentary. I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But I'm excited. But Tick Tick Boom was just incredible. So incredible. Yes. The actors did an incredible job. Incredible job. Yes. Yes. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And my uh, my family's seen it. They all love it. My son, who's a budding artist, it spoke to him. So I love that. That's awesome. I love that. And as an artist, we talked about your son. Um, I mean, it's, it's really relevant, I mean, to kind of touch the emotional points you do with your shows and your work. Um, I mean, you have to possess a certain compassion, a certain empathy, um, maybe a little grace or gratitude uh, is part of it. Uh, do you feel that way? Does that guide you? Is that like a, an anchor in what you do? It absolutely is. I've always been someone who um, I don't like to see people in pain. I don't ever want to cause anybody pain. Um, and, you know, we have families, we have, we all have our, our moments where we <laughs> express ourselves, but um, I'm just someone who, who, who enjoys bringing people happiness and, and, and joy and comfort. And um, I want, I want to see, I want to see people feel empowered and grateful. And, and, and um, so, yeah, that's just always been something that, um, I've probably been over, overly sensitive my my life. Maybe that's that's part of it because there's a need on my end, um, you know, from when I was a young kid, sort of sort of validation, and I was always nervous about how I was being perceived, um, and maybe that that sense of myself is what always allowed myself to put myself in other people's shoes. Um, so with my art, um, yeah, it's. Um, it's, it's, it's something that has always been a part of the kind of artist I want to be, the kind of stories I want to tell. And it's hard. We live in a world right now that I think is very, very angry. You know, I sit, I sat, sat in previews this, this fall for, for both shows, for Flying Over Sunset and The Visitor. And, um, uh, you know, there, there's beautiful moments of audiences around you, but there are really harsh ones too. Um, and, and this kind of, you know, anger and judgment that can exist in the world. Um, how does, let me interrupt just, you for a minute. How does that like display itself? Like in an actual theater as an audience, what happens? Well, at intermission, someone behind you will start talking about the show. Mm. And most likely they don't know that you're in front of them, but you know, they make their opinions very known. And, um, and it's, and you just kind of sit there and, 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 you know, would you get up? Do you, I mean, we all go through it. That's what previews are. Um, but 
it's um it's it's the capacity i guess to 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 have that kind of pointedness or anger um and it's not just in 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 theater right it's we see it all around um yet that's a long way of saying to your to your question yeah i mean uh empathy and 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 positive thinking is something that um that i always want to be leaning from as an artist and that's not to say that my stories won't have shades of darkness and 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 but it's the human condition it's to it's to hopefully walk out and say i've 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 resonated with something and i i'm ruminating on this material and, and seeing how to how it affects my life um and and uh and how maybe you know I can I can be stronger in whatever way I need to be through this experience. Thank you for sharing that. So you know that's kind of what art is supposed to do. You know what I mean? I'm not sure it's supposed to have all this. Well, art has anger in it too. Yes, it does. So art definitely has anger, and and you know you want to be able to explore all of the things. But that's that's the art. Um, and and again, not to say that all art needs to be understood or needs to be enjoyed or, you know, we have, we all have our opinions. Um, but certainly the, uh, what goes into making it, you know, for myself is just, it, it comes from the, the the depth of something that wants to do something meaningful. You know, what, what, what is, what is, what is birthed, what is, what is brought into that is something of, of, of value to the artist. And then, as I said, then you put it into the world and you just, you lose all control. You have to. You have to hope that 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 gesture um, gets gets into the world in the way that you want. Right. Or so many people don't put it in the world, and that's you know that's a whole <laughs> other problem. Um, but what's interesting, you know, what I have so much respect for what you do as a profession is, you know, the the, the, the sense of like perseverance you need because this takes such a long period of time. And I was just reading in the New York Times, they kind of reprinted kind of a conversation with Stephen Sondheim they had um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just after his passing. Um, you know, and some of the questions were around, you know, his advice to Jonathan Larson, interestingly enough, I'm sure the New York Times tied it in with Tick, Tick, Boom and his passing. Um, you know, and his thing was just this whole thing of like saying to people how you need to move on from the project. Like you need to get off this and move on to the next. Yeah, I think that's, so, and you know, a little bit, that was a bit of the theme in Tick, Tick, Boom, right? And that was Sondheim's position in some ways. What's that like for you? I mean, how do you decide? Like, is there ever, there must be projects where you just say, I got to walk away. Like, I can't spend (laughs) another minute on this. I'm not going to get it. It's driving me crazy. Tell me about that. I I would go nuts. I'd become insane. Yeah, there are projects that you, um, that maybe you need to take a break from. Next Normal was that. Hmm. Next Normal, we took a little break. Um, and we didn't know if we were going to come back to it. And as I said, the Larson Foundation, um, who I should also say, it was the Village Theater out in uh, Washington um, and in Seattle that uh, um, applied on our behalf to the Larson Foundation. And 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 so, um, so so yeah, there there are times where um, you do need to just walk away from something um, and see if it see if you, you come back to it. Um, I, I have projects that, that are unfinished. Um, but, um, in terms of like getting to that finish line, hopefully, and this has happened more often for me than not, um, you've, you've gotten a chance to do everything you wanted. You've, you've investigated every moment, 
if you've had an out of town tryout and then your New York run, you've, you've taken in some, some good constructive criticism, um, to, to try to make the piece better. And, um, and then you put your pencil down and you just say, okay, I've said what I wanted to say and, and now we'll see what happens. Um, and it was, uh, this, this is famous advice from, from Hal Prince, who uh, said that he always took a meeting on his new show the day after his current show opened, just to say, I'm always looking forward. I'm always moving forward. Um, and I've tried to, um, I've tried to adhere to that. It's really good advice just to say, you can't, can't look back. Um, you know, you can wallow, <laughs> you can, you can be sad, you can be disappointed. Um, but uh, are you going to judge everything going forward based on that? Or are you going to just say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. And um, there are lots of things that I'm still committed to, to telling, even if it means that, that I have to pick myself up. Hopefully you can just bask in something, but I've been through all of it. I've been through the moments of joy and I've been through the, the, the heartbreaking moments, but I, I haven't wavered on my uh, commitment to the next story that, um, that I am going to be telling. Yeah. And can you, um, I mean, has there ever been an example where you've put something in a box and forgot about it said, look, I've put enough effort. I'm putting this in a box and then something miraculously sparks in your brain where you kind of, oh, that's the answer. I'm going back to that box right now and we're going to figure this out. Does that ever happen? I could actually, it's happened on a, um, I don't know if it's a, a show besides Next to Normal um, for that time, but but there was there was a song that Brian and I wrote for something that was just sitting on my uh, iTunes playlist or my library and uh, we were trying to write uh, Adina Menzel's big moment for the end of uh, If Then. And I just stumbled across it in tech one day. And, um, and I sent it to Brian. I said, is this anything? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that. So I fleshed that out. And that became All Starting Over, which is Adina's big song at the end of the show. So, yeah, I just happened upon that music that then became... Uh, this the song that I'm incredibly proud of. That's awesome. So, what future projects or future things can you speak about here? I do this to you every time and try to push you to go over the line and tell me something you shouldn't. Um, <laughs> um, well, there is the the Tom Kit record that uh, I'm very excited to make, um, and I, I call it without saying that I could ever equal this, but I call it my Born to Run, meaning that I just want to create like a big majestic. Um, anthemic pop record um, that uh, will hopefully be, um, you know, something that takes a lot out of me and feels like it's a it's a grand gesture of some kind. Um, so that's on the horizon. Also, almost famous, mm. uh, which I'm very excited to um, put the pencil down on that. Um, is that going to uh, open yeah. soon? I mean, is that going to open on Broadway now? I mean, was it was last it, time we it, talked, we were in La Jolla doing kind of. Yeah. So it had its, it had its uh, out of town tryout just before the pandemic in October of 2019 uh, at the Old Globe Theater in San Diego. Uh, and it went well. So um, the plans are to bring it to Broadway. There are no, there are no specific plans yet, but I think it's something that will happen um, hopefully soon. And um, so that's happening um, I can say, you know, that, that, that Brian 
Yorkie and I are um, are working on a project, um, sort of a, a television project that um, will will um, basically be the story of all my years playing piano bar. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. There's a lot that happened over those years that I think will be very, very much fun to traumatize. <laughs> Uh, Brian calls it. I love. I love this characterization of it. He calls it the quarter life crisis show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so we'll be worked. Well, that's that's something that we're working on. Um, and um, those are sort of the, the the specific things. You know, the visitor and flying over sunset were 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 big on the to do list because the pandemic had interrupted them um, coming to production. So I'm very very proud that this fall. Um, I can't, I can't say enough to, in terms of my gratitude to the public theater and Lincoln center, um, for navigating through this difficult period and, and, um, coming right back, putting these shows up, allowing them to have, have their moment, uh, to be birthed and, um, really proud of them. So, uh, so now I think for the holidays, I'm going to regroup, um, and, uh, and, and, and take a little pause and now, um, get, get back to work on on uh on the exciting things that are that are to come and i mean on your next solo record um if c19 ever got somewhat normalized in how it how we deal with it here in the country would you tour to support that i mean would you actually consider going out and doing a tour i would i would absolutely consider doing a tour i would awesome i would love to perform out with the band and if the songs are um if it's successful and the songs feel like they would be great, uh, great venue songs, then yeah, that would be really exciting. That's, I'm thrilled to hear that. I didn't know with the family and stuff, if you could pull it off, but maybe you can do the, the country touring where you go out on the weekends and come back on Monday. Yeah. I mean, you know, see what, see what is possible. I mean, you know, I'm, I, 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 I dream big, but you know, for me at this moment in my life and the kind of pull, I don't know what it would what kind of venue I would, I would be able to have, but, you know, getting a chance to do fly away in a big rock setting, you know, get to perform that live. How exciting would that be? be awesome. So, so look, so, I, uh, hopefully the song on that album will live in that. <laughs> a lot of them will live in that same, uh, that same sensibility. That's awesome. So I wanted to ask you, I mean, I always view you, um, I'm an old man, so I always view you as the up and comer still, <laughs> even though you've had so much success, you're not an up and comer anymore. Yeah. And I don't feel like one, but I appreciate it. So that. let me <laughs> ask you, so I'm going to add on to that then. So in today's world, I mean, are there any up and coming people you're seeing that you think are really talented that we should be watching for? Oh, wow. God, there's so many, I mean, so many brilliant artists that are, that are coming into the, uh, that are, that are, that are coming into the world, you know, um, so many great new writers, those, um, the new writers who wrote, wrote, um, the musical six Mm. that is, that is on Broadway right now. It's a, it's, it's a big hit. And, um, I think this is their first Broadway musical. And, um, I, I, I was lucky enough to be at opening night. And, um, uh, there's also, uh, Michael R. Jackson, who um, won the Pulitzer Prize for A Strange Loop, his musical that's playing down in uh, Washington, D.C. right now. And um, I'm sure we'll hear very soon that when it's coming to Broadway, um, brilliant writer. Um, you know, I'm, there, there are countless others. And um, I'm so glad to see my friend Ariana DeBose, who was in, um, who was in Bring It On, where, where I first met Adrian Warren. And 
Um, she's nominated for Golden Globe for West Side Story. She's brilliant. And um, I know she's going to be doing so many incredible things. Um, so, so yeah, it's exciting to see the new artists that are, that are taking the world by storm. And um, it's, it always feels like it's, it's just like a privilege to get to sit and, 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 and not only experience and appreciate, but also learn. Yeah, what do you think? Um, I'm just curious. Cause when I was a kid, you know, I was, you know, I got to go see Fiddler on the Roof with the real people in, on Broadway. You know, I saw Pippin that way. You know, I, I, so I had a direct connection to Broadway, right? Um, and I feel like with this generation, maybe a little removed because of all the other things out there, right, on the internet and so forth. So, I mean, is it the work that some of you guys are doing to contemporize it and kind of change direction or, you know, what Lynn's done with Hamilton? I mean, what's the draw now for a young person to kind of consider theater? Or was that never broken? I mean, am I just misreading it? I, th- I think that the draw is, is um, well, first of all, I think that, that for me, there's a big draw that, that in this world of, of uh, where everything is digital and you can, you know, you can download everything, um, experience it in any way. You have to come to the theater and actually engage with live performance and the order of songs and material that was, that was written. Um, so there's something very, I, I sort of consider it to be the new version of an album. You can have control over your, over your song sequencing. And um, so there's just, there's something that's, as we know, irreplaceable about the live experience that I think is really, really um, important and valuable. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, that um, theater is always going to have, thankfully, um, you know, so many different viewpoints of, of what a musical should be. Um, and, and what someone's artistic soul is to tell a story. So, um, it feels like with, with all of the things that are coming, all of the things that are happening, um, that there's a, um, there's a real possibility. And so I think any artist that's searching for possibility and, and, and the opportunity to tell an emotional story from their heart, um, and to be able to be in collaboration because theater really is all about collaboration. You can't, just come and, you know, musical, you can't just come and say, you know, it's going to be my way and this is how the musical is going to go. There's so many elements that you get to experience and learn from. And I think that's a big draw if, if your heart is open to that. Um, because I came into this business as sort of in, in one sort of state as an artist and, and I changed so much through the people that thankfully have, have, have joined um, these collaborations. So it's a huge draw. It's a huge draw. Um, anything's possible, and um, and you're going to really experience a lot and learn a lot. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm hoping so because I just think you know Broadway went down this path of a lot of revivals and stuff. And uh, I, you know, look, I guess they have their merit. I'm just not a fan of that. That's not what's going to draw me to go see a show anymore. You know what I mean? I need something new, different, challenging. Um, a revival ain't going to do it. So in my mind. Well, the revivals so. though, like, you know, th- when, when they're, um, you know, the, the revival, I think at the core of it, like you look at what Oklahoma did, it was, it was unbelievable to see the recreation that, 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 that happened. Um, and, and, you know, the, the revivals that, 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 that come to Broadway. I mean, there's a real sense that there's going to be a, a, a new exploration. Um, and, and also, what is this material going to tell us now? Or even, you know, for me as a composer, 
a revival of something that may not have taken the first time. And now there's, there's, there's a new, there's a new lens to look at it through. So what is the, um, or, 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 or a new production that allows, um, you to, you to come to the material differently. Um, so, um, you know, the, the, the revival, I think, is a really essential and, and beautiful part of it. Um, but we just also want to make sure that it's it's a balance. You have revivals and then you also have the support of new material and, and, and new writers. And, um, and and as long as they live together side by side harmoniously, then then things are, you know, that, that's a great thing. But do they? That's my question. So they, I don't I don't I think they do. Though. Now they may they do, do. But I felt like there was a revival craze going on. Just look, I don't like people recreating films, TV shows. I'm just, it feels all lazy to me. I'm sorry. So I just, <laughs> I want culture to move forward and new ideas to be pushed and diversity. And I don't know. I'm just being cranky me today. So <laughs> I'm on my soapbox today. So, well, my friend, thank you so much for my annual conversation um, on uh, episode 77. Um, and the new record you have is called Reflect. And Reflect. Uh, everyone should listen to this record. It's fantastic. It's a lovely, um, I don't know, it's a lovely rep- representation of all the kind of pain we've been through the last couple of years, I guess, is what thank I would you. say. So, Thank you, Nick. I appreciate thank that. You thank you. And uh, happy holidays to you and Rita and the kids. So, Thank you and happy holidays to you too. Thank you. Stay healthy. You too. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for listening. This show originates from the podcast capital, Austin, Texas. My producer is Sean O'Neill. Visit theradicalpot.com for updates and even some merchandise. Also, please subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I also ask that you please share episodes with your friends so we can continue to grow our community. 